thank our brother for that message and song to our hearts of phrase this evening. And may you uh, turn to the Lord tonight. May you come home to the Savior and find him whom to know is life eternal. And we do thank our brother for coming tonight and ministering in song. I wonder if we could uh, turn at the end of our meeting tonight to the Song of Solomon and to the chapter 2 of the Song of Solomon. We're going to read from verse 1. Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, as it is called in the Hebrew Bible. Or that's the title that's given in verse 1 of chapter 1. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. But we're reading from chapter 2, and we're reading uh, tonight from verse 1 of the chapter. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, and verse 1. I am the rose of Sharon, and the lily of the valleys. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the fields, and by uh, that ye stir not uh, up nor awake my love till he please. The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh, leap, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. My beloved spake and said, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds is come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts. Let's just unite in a word of prayer as we seek the face of the Lord. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we turn to thee in our Savior's name afresh tonight. We thank thee for the reminder that we have had in the message and song how we need to turn again to our God. And we pray, Lord, for those that have wandered away from Thee, those, Lord, that are in bypath meadow, Lord, that they might come home. And our God, we'd ask Thee that Thy mercy might be upon us, even as we think upon Thy word afresh tonight. We think of the voice of the beloved, and we pray that men and women might hear the voice of our Savior tonight speaking to their hearts and speaking to their souls. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, the Jewish scholars and Christian commentators 
have the tradition of interpreting the Song of Solomon as a love poem between God and his people. I've heard uh, many, and those I uh, heard somebody on the radio a few years ago mocking uh, the thought that uh, this is what we interpret this book as. There are many who would treat it as nothing more than sort of like a drinking song whose language is questionable. And many modern scholars um, will almost uh, be unanimous in viewing the song as something of a celebration of carnal love between a man and a woman. And of course, there is uh, a little bit of that in it. But uh, right back into Jewish times, the Jewish Mishnah made it absolutely clear there was a rabbi, Akaba, who wrote in the Jewish uh, Mishnah, and he said this, The whole world is not worth the day on which the song of songs was given to Israel, for all the scriptures are holy, but the song of songs is the holy of holies. And the early and medieval fathers of the church shared the high opinion of this book, that it is a picture of God's love to his people, it is a picture of the bride and the Lord as the bridegroom here, and he's chosen the humble bride, and the Lord has chosen his people. He has drawn them to himself, and we can see the picture that has been drawn. But we don't need to go by what men have said, or uh, the Mishnah, the Jewish Mishnah says, or what commentators say, because we can see that this picture is one that is used right through the Word of God. And we use uh, Scripture to interpret Scripture. And that thought of the Lord being the bridegroom and the church, his people being the bride, is one that is very common in the Word of God. For example, in Revelation 21 and 2, we think about the heavenly Jerusalem. And John said, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And verse 9 says, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. So uh, uh, there is the picture. Second Corinthians 11 and 2, The Lord says of his people, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin. So God's people are espoused to Christ. Then we read in Ephesians 5 verses 25 to 27, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. So again, there's the thought of the church as the bride being presented to Christ. Or Revelation 19, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which were called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So there's the engagement, and then there is the marriage supper that speaks, uh, takes place 
in a time to come. So this picture of the Lord and his church is not something that we've made up or just lifted out of the picture that is given here. It is something that is common to all of the word of God. And that language there where it's called the Song of Songs almost speaks to the fact that it is holy. It echoes the thought, and you'll think back maybe to the quote of the rabbi there, where he said the Song of Songs. What did he say? The Song song of Songs was given to Israel, for all the scriptures are holy, but the Song of Songs is the holy of holies. And I don't think there's uh, something that uh, he plucked out of the air The language of the Song of Songs echoes the thought of the Holy of Holies. So we're standing on holy ground here, and we see something of our Savior, and we can see the attributes, his love, his mercy, his persistence here, the way that he uh, seeks out the bride, and so on. These are wonderful pictures that we have in the Word of God. But tonight, what I want us to think about is the voice. Look at verse 8. He says, The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. You know, in many prayer meetings, and probably before the meeting tonight, there were prayers that were uttered for sinners, and the prayer very often is in the form Lord, might they hear your voice. Might they hear your voice, that the Holy Spirit of God might come and speak, that God would speak to sinners. Those are phrases that are very often used in the prayer meeting when we're speaking about the unsaved, about the lost. And it is our prayer tonight that God would speak to you, that you might hear his voice. And it says, the voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. I want you to hear the voice of the beloved tonight. And there are a number of things about that voice that I want you to think about just for a few minutes at the end of our meeting. And first of all, I want you to see the word that he speaks Look again at the verse 8 there. He says, The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. And here's the voice of the Lord. And you'll see, first of all, that it is a loving voice. It is the voice of my beloved. He's called the beloved here. And that indicates that he comes with a message of love. And it hints of the fact that there is this loving relationship that there is, and the God who is unseen and who does not deserve any of, we don't deserve any of his love, he invites us to fellowship here, and we think of the wonderful invitation that is given in the gospel. You think of what it is said in John chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. We think about the good shepherd. He says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We were thinking a little bit 
about this this morning, how that the stranger will they not follow, but flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And you think about the care of the shepherd. The shepherd will call the sheep. The shepherd will coax the sheep. The shepherd will care for the sheep. And we think about the good shepherd who cares for us today. And what greater demonstration of his love and his care than that what he did upon the cross of Calvary. The Bible says that he loved us and gave himself for us. He loved us with that everlasting love. And now it's not an outward voice that we hear. It is the voice that we hear in the word of God, in the preaching of the word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And God comes with a message of conviction, and he comes with a message of power, and he comes with a message that points out your sin, but it is also an invitation to come to him. And I'm glad tonight that it is a message of love. You know, there are many people today, particularly the Roman Catholic Christ, and he is a Christ to be feared. He is a Christ to be, who would come with the voice of judgment, and it is a voice of judgment over us. But, dear friend, that's not the voice of the real Christ that we hear. What, is, what are his words? He says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And my, we need to come away from the Christ who is stern. And yes, he's one who does not smile at sin. But nevertheless, he comes with the voice of love and with the voice of invitation. He's not bidding you come to slavery. He's not bidding you come to something that will in any way be detrimental to you, but he's inviting you to come to himself, the voice of love. Fanny Crosby said, Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him thy burden, and thou shalt be blessed. He will not turn thee away. Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling is tenderly calling today. He is tenderly calling you to himself. It is a loving voice, but also it is a powerful voice. Look again at the text of Scripture there in verse 8. Look at the voice of my beloved. What it is, Behold, he cometh, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Now, the beloved here hears the voice of her beloved coming across the mountains and the hills. The indication here is that he's still a great way off, but she can hear his voice. And this indicates the power of the voice. And of course, in the Bible, we think of the powerful voice of God. Psalm 29 is one that speaks about the voice of God. And it says, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters the God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames. The, uh, uh, the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. 
The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hides to calf and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. My, the powerful voice of God. He breaks through the blue skies. His voice comes from the very heavens itself, the voice of the Lord. You can't ignore the voice of God. Oh, maybe in sickness, God has been speaking. Maybe through circumstances, God has been speaking. Through his word, God has been speaking. And the voice of the Lord is becoming more powerful in your experience and in your heart. It's a powerful voice. Do you hear his voice, sinner, in the meeting? I want you to think about the power of the Lord's voice. In John 5 and 25, the Lord said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they shall live. His voice is able to bring life out of death. His voice is able to speak to those that are lying in the grave and the dead rise from the dead. And we think of that powerful voice and it is a voice that is heard by sinners in this world today. God is speaking. We think of how it says here it is the voice of my Beloved, oh, do you hear the voice of God today? It's a powerful voice. But also it is a near voice, and it is coming nearer. You'll notice what it says there. The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. And of course, it seems as if he's a good way off at the moment, but he's coming nearer. He's coming nearer. Oh, is he drawing nearer to you? As God has been speaking in his word, maybe the times when God has spoken, maybe you've been in a meeting before and God has spoken, maybe God hasn't spoken for a long time. But as things have happened in your life and as things have been uh, taking place, there has been more and more demonstrations of God's intervention in your life, and you've begun to see that God is there, and God is true, and his voice is coming near, and he's coming nearer and nearer to you. He's coming near, dear friend. He's in the meeting tonight, for where two or three are met together in his name, there he is in the midst. He's here tonight, and the voice of the Lord is coming through his word. So we notice the word that he speaks. But then I want you to notice something else. Look at the wall he encounters. Look at verse 9. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice, or the literal translation is through the windows. So here's the picture of the beloved. He comes skipping upon the mountains and the beloved hears his voice but he comes to the place where she is and she's behind the wall. She's, be, she's in the house and uh, she sees him at times. She glimpses him uh, at the window but there is a wall between her and her beloved. 
And once again, we have a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and the sinner. At this time, the Lord is, as it were, behind the wall. Maybe it's the wall of indifference. Maybe it's the wall of rebellion. It's the wall of sin. And the Lord stands behind the wall. And there's a wall. There's a separation between you and your God. You think of the bricks in the wall. And if any of the bricks are still there, the wall still stands. The, sinful, the bricks of sinful practice. We are told in the Bible that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we sin day and daily. You think of the brick of the penalty of sin. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You think of the brick of the sin nature. It says in Ephesians 2 and 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sin. Dear friend, if that sinful nature stands, if the sinful practice, if there's no repentance of sin, there is a wall. The, the, the Bible says that your sins have separated between you and your God, the wall of sin. Maybe it's a wall of social relationship. You know, there are many times in the Gospels where we read of the crowds who keep men and women back from the Savior, you think of the man who was sick of a palsy and his friends were bringing him to where the Lord Jesus was. And it says in Mark 2 and 4, and when they could, come, could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was and when they broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. But you'll see that they weren't able to come for the press. You think of the woman who was, uh, had the sickness the, the uh, hemorrhage of blood, and how that she could not come nigh for the press, and she had to reach out her hand and touch the hem of the Lord's garments as he passed by. And for many people, the relationships that you have, your friends, your family, your neighbors, your loved ones, dear friend, you're thinking about what people will say. You're not concerned about what God thinks. You're not concerned about what God considers your heart to be. But you're thinking about what you will be in your social relationships and in your social round and in all of these things. And the crowd, the social crowd out there, your social relationships are a barrier between you and God. There's a wall. Maybe it's the barrier or the wall of smugness or self-satisfaction or self-importance, pride. You won't admit that you're wrong. You won't admit that you've done anything wrong. Or maybe you think that God should treat you differently. You think of Naaman, the Syrian captain, and how he came to uh, Elisha the prophet, and how he wanted the prophet to do something great. Elisha just sent out a servant and told him to go and wash in the Jordan seven times and he would be restored and his health would be given back and he was absolutely flabbergasted and he couldn't understand why the man of God didn't come out to meet him and greet him with all the customary uh, uh, niceties and that he would be treated as a man of importance as he thought he was. Oh, how pride gets in. We don't admit that we're wrong. We don't want to uh, come out in front of other people 
We don't want to change in front of other people. Oh, pride is a barrier. Pride is a wall that will keep you away from the Savior. But I want you to see that in spite of all the walls here, I want you to see that there are times when the Savior comes and looks through the window. You know, there was the Lord, and he was outside the wall. But there were times when he would look through the lattice. And at times the beloved could get the glimpse of her beloved outside. Or the the, uh, bride could uh, get a glimpse of her beloved outside. Aren't there times when God comes, as it were, into your life and looks through the window? There are times when God just breaks in. You think of what it says in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 20. And the Lord says to the church at Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You know, the Lord looks through the window. He knocks at the door. He's knocking at the window. He wants you to invite him to come in. He wants to come into your life. He wants to come into your existence. He wants to come into what you do and what you are day by day. Oh, at times as you sit in a meeting like this or maybe sit talking to other Christians, you're getting a little glimpse of the Lord. You're getting a little glimpse in the meeting. Here and there you're seeing something of Christ. Oh, dear friend, open the door and let the Savior in. He's knocking at your heart's door. There he is at the window looking in. Oh, will you seek the Lord as your Savior? We see something of the word that he speaks, and we see the wall that he encounters. But one more thing that I want you to see, and that's the way that he directs. Look at verses 10 to 13. He says, My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, and the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of birds has come. And the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs. And the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Come away. Isn't that what he wants? He's looking through the window. He's knocking on the door. And he's saying, come away. Now, in order to come away, you have to leave something behind. And what he's asking the woman, the uh, beloved here to do is leave behind the walls. Leave behind the barriers. Leave behind all of those things that are going to enter in and they're going to cause uh, a break in the relationship and the fellowship between the beloved and the bride. He says, come away, come away, come away from those things. Of course, that speaks of repentance. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 28 and 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. He says, flee youthful lust. He says, flee idolatry. He says, come away, come away from the sins. Come away from the things that are holding you. Come away from those things 
that are uh, burdening you and have shackled you and have caught you in the web of the deceit and lies of the devil. Dear friend, come away from those places. Leave behind your sins. And that's what you need to do. You know, there are many in this world who preach a gospel in which you don't need to come away from your sins. You can have your sins. You uh, say the sinner's prayer, and as long as you've said the sinner's prayer, then you are fine. There doesn't need to be a change. Doesn't need, you don't need to be born again of the Spirit of God. You're not a new creature in Christ. You can live the way that you've always lived, and you can do the same things that you've always done. There's no change in your heart. And they say, well, if you add anything else, if you expect us to do anything or change anything about our lives, that's adding works to grace. But dear friend, it's not adding works to grace. You, you find in the word of God, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by being changed. We're not saved because our lives are changed. But we are, uh, we are those who, because we are changed, because we are changed, do good works. And we have been changed by the grace and power of God. And the Lord says to us, come away come away. Your life's not going to be the same. Your life is going to be different, but it's going to be different in a good way. You see, there's not only something that we leave behind here, but there's someone that we leave with, and that is the bridegroom here. And the thing is, dear friends, that while we leave behind the old walls and the old life, we go to our beloved. We go to our Savior. He says, come away. And that implies that we leave behind. We're coming away from something. But we're coming away with someone. He says, come away. And the implication of that is, come away with me. Come away with me. And the Lord is uh, inviting us to himself and inviting us to be with him throughout all eternity. You say, how can he do that? Only because of the cross. Only because of what he has done on the center cross of Calvary. He has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. And he's able to bring us to himself. And we're able to come to him and be with him throughout all eternity. Oh, do you hear the voice of the beloved? Do you hear the voice of God tonight? He says, arise, come away, come to me, be with me. Be in that place of rest and peace and blessing throughout all eternity. Oh, dear friend, maybe tonight you've heard the voice of the beloved. God's voice has been speaking in your heart. And you've heard the words of the preacher, but it is more that God's voice has been speaking to your heart. And he says, now arise. Don't lie there. Don't go on in your sin. Don't continue in that place where there is the wall and the barrier. The Lord's looking in. You see a glimpse of the Lord here and there. You hear his voice. But dear friend, as yet you've not come to him. Arise, he says, come away, come away. 
Oh, will you come tonight? Will you come and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? May you come and find the Lord as your Savior and your God. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for the admonition, this picture of the voice of the beloved. And Lord, we want that men and women might hear thy voice in the meeting tonight. O God, that there might be that recognition of the voice of the Lord that says, Arise and come away, come away. O God, that men and women might leave behind their sin, leave behind their old uh, refuge of lies, the things that would be a barrier between us and our God. And we pray, Lord, that they might come away and find the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Bless thy word and write it upon hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. If God has spoken to you tonight, then we would invite you to the Savior and that you'll come and find the Lord Jesus Christ, whom to know is life eternal. We're going to sing that last hymn on the board there, 405. We'll sing a few verses of it anyway. 405. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. And dear friend, we want you to rest in him. And may you come and find him as your saviour tonight. We may as well sing the whole of the hymn, the hymn 405, and we'll stand as we sing.
loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, enable us to rest in thee, Lord Jesus. Part us now in thy, uh, in thy blessing. We pray that thou wouldst take us to our homes in, in safety. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with thy people until Jesus comes and calls and until the end of this short, uncertain and fleeting day of our lives. Be with us now, for Jesus' sake. Amen.